you're just joining us, we've been in a series that we're calling Habits. And every single year, we kind of do a series very similar to this one where we talk about devoting the first part of our year to changing some things in our life. How many of you just show of hands, you got bad habits and you got some good habits? How many got some habits you're like, I could do a whole lot better if I didn't have these habits? <laughs> How many of you made some resolutions in January? This new year, new me. How many of you have already broken them? <laughs> Here's what we learned in the first week of this series is that that phrase, new year, new you, is not true, is it? Here's, here's what we learned. New year, renewed intentions. How do you turn those intentions into actions? So January looks like this. We all do really well in January. We eat better. We work out. We make new relational goals. We do all these things. And then February comes around. We're like, eh, <laughs> donuts sound really good, right? We, we break it. So how do we get to that place where we can come into 2019 and it doesn't have to look like 2018. So we've been working through this. The first week, Ryan talked about focusing on what we do first. Um, Psychologists actually believe that 95% of us, the first thing that we do when we wake up is grab our phone. How many do that? Just be honest. First thing you do, I'm, I'm guilty. The first thing that we do. And so the whole entire goal around that message is what you do first is very important. What you give your time to first is very important. What you give your money to is very important first. What you devote your time and energy to first is important. And the second thing that we talked about last week was keeping our lives aligned with our purpose. The most miserable and frustrated people on earth are the people that don't understand why they're here. They don't know what their purpose is. And so they kind of aimlessly search around in life, like, why am I here? What does God want from me? What is God doing? What I want to talk about today is the habit of controlling our thoughts. Controlling our thoughts. How many of you have some thoughts that just don't need to be there? (laughs) The truth is, uh, a very wise pastor once put it this way. He says, if you think back on your life, you'll realize that every time your life changed, it was due to your thinking changing. If you look back on your life, every time your life significantly changed, it was due to your thinking changing. I'll prove it to you. I'll prove it to you like this. Some of you, in 2018, your life got better, but your circumstances didn't change. You're still in the same circumstance. You're still at the same job. You're still married to the same person. You still have kids. You're still dealing with the same issues, but your life got better. Why? Because your thinking got better. You begin to take it and go, okay, if these are the cards that I'm dealt, I've got to shift my perspective to look at it differently. How many of you got that person that you're always around and no matter what, they're negative? You're like, it is a beautiful day outside. But yeah, I stepped in some mud today. It's like, do you always have to bring up the negative thing? Uh, Another easy way to put it, or another way of saying it would be this. I will never change my life until I change the way that I think. You will never change your life until you change the way that you think. I love how Solomon puts it in Ecclesiastes chapter 10. And I love when we get to read scriptures like this, because I get to say some things, and it's not me. And so if you get mad, you can get mad at the scriptures. I love what he says. Wise thinking leads to right living. Stupid thinking leads to, leads to wrong living. Wise thinking leads to right living. Stupid thinking leads to wrong living. So I want to give you three thoughts on thinking, and then we're going to go through some practical things. The first thought is this. Everything, everything in your life begins with a thought. Everything. Your heart and mind 
are like fertile soil. So I want you to think of it this way. If you're planting thoughts of negativity in your brain, what do you think is going to grow? If you're planting thoughts of, oh, I can never be this, or I'm not worth it, or God is never going to allow me to get to this place, what do you think is going to grow? An unhealthy perspective, an unhealthy thought life, and it's going to lead you to a place where you're frustrated with the way that you look at the world. Now, here's what most of us try to do. Instead of changing our thoughts, we try to just modify our behavior, right? So this is what we do when we dive into the new year. We're going to go, okay, I, I want to be a different person than I was last year. So what do you do? We go, we go to Barnes & Noble. We grab a bunch of self-help books, and here's five steps to become a better person. And I'm not against self-help. The problem is there's no heart transformation within that. Zero. If you don't change what's going on in here, And right here, you can apply all the five steps and it might last for about two months, but ultimately you're going to get to a place where you're miserable, you're still frustrated, and something is missing inside. The truth is we have to be very careful about what goes into our minds. We have to be very careful the way that we start our day, the things that we read, the things that we look at, the things that we intake. Romans 12, 2 puts it this way. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. Now watch this. By changing the way that you think. I had somebody a while back say, Pastor, you you talk about like thinking and psychology too much. Do you think you're kind of straying away from the scriptures? Can Can I tell you this? If you're not emotionally healthy, if you don't think about the right way that you think, you'll never be able to apply the scriptures to your life. You'll never be able to live it out because the scriptures are going to call you to do some really hard things. And if you don't think right about yourself, if you don't have the right perspective about who God says you are, you'll never be able to live it out. So the way that we think about ourselves, the way that we think about other people, the thoughts that we intake really matters. Let me put it to you this way. This is the second thought. What we think determines how we feel. What we think determines how we feel. Now, I know what some of you are thinking because you're blaming the way you feel on the things that are going on around you. But it's your thought life that determines your response. So some of us think, well, I'm just in a negative spot because I'm in negative circumstances. I actually think you're in a negative spot because you're thinking negatively. (laughs) Because how many of you know that life sometimes will hand you a deck of cards and there's no way that you can control it? And the only thing that you can control is your perspective in that season or in that circumstance. Like sometimes life deals with some things and it's difficult, it's hard, you weren't expecting it, it wasn't in your plans. How many of you God has ever just given you something and said, surprise, (laughs) you weren't expecting this one, were you? And it can come in all types of forms, it can come from surprise, no job tomorrow. Come surprise, you're pregnant. Oh my God. (laughs) Wasn't expecting that one. There's all kinds of things that can derail us. If your thought life is not healthy, you're going to be in a bad spot. Because here's what ends up happening. You buy into the, I'm not worth it. I don't know what happened. There must have been something that I did to cause this. Because as human beings, we believe that everything is cause and effect, right? Right? Well, I got this lot on my life because God punished me because I did this. (laughs) The truth is, we're three parts, body, soul, and spirit. 
And if you're not careful with how you think, if you can't think that physically you can take care of yourself, you won't. If you, can't, if you think that you can't emotionally take care of yourself, you won't. If you think that you can't take care of yourself spiritually, you won't. Do you see how this works? Do you see how our thoughts actually affect everything in our sphere? It can affect us physically. It can affect us emotionally. It can even affect us spiritually. It can even affect the way that we connect with other human beings, namely our spouse. If we don't foster the way that we think, if we don't filter the things that are coming and allowing into our mind, we're going to be in a bad spot. How many of you have kids in here? Kids. Uh, I, I use kids a lot just because we have six of them, so it's, they're an easy example to, to pray on, honestly. Um, but if you have children, there are certain things that you do not expose them to at a particular age because they're not ready to handle it right? It's like, I'm not going to take my three-year-old to go see a scary movie. And the reason I don't do that is simply because I won't be able to turn off any light in the house at one o'clock in the morning, right? Or he's going to be coming and tapping me on the shoulder at three and I'm, I'm freaking out. There's certain things that we don't expose our children. There's certain things that we limit them from because we're trying to protect because we understand like they're five, they're six, they're seven, their minds are not ready to receive what the world has to offer with this. Now, if we do that for our children, why don't we do that for our mind? If we set limits on the amount of things that they're able to intake, the things that they can watch, the things that they can process, the things that we can see, do you realize how much we open up our minds to this world? We have no filter. We read whatever we want to read. We watch whatever we want to watch. We talk about whatever we want to talk about. And then we wonder why we're always thinking negative things. We have to filter the things that we think, the things that we take in. I've talked to guys before that it's like, oh man, uh, trust me, pastor. I can sit in any movie and watch anything on the screen and I'm fine. Oh, really? (laughs) If we're not filtering the things that come into our mind, It's going to lead us to a place that we don't want to be. So I want to challenge you with something. And it's going to be hard. But I want to challenge you to eliminate as much media from your life this week and see if it changes your thinking by next week. Because I think actually the most amount of negativity that we're thinking comes from the internet. It comes from news. It comes from social media. It comes from just opening up the news app and being frustrated with the world. What would it look like if we filtered it this week? Because here's here's the crazy thing. The majority of your depression and anxiety is coming from an unfiltered thought life. It's coming from an unfiltered thought life. It's coming from you just allowing everything and anything to come into your heart. I I was meeting with a, a young man this week And he was trying to figure out, like, man, I don't know what my purpose is. I want a family soon. I want kids soon. But I I just don't know why I'm here. And he was frustrated. He said, all right, tell me, what is is your day look like? What are you processing? What are you going through? Man, I wake up, I play video games. Then I go to work, and then I come back, and I play video games, and I eat, and I go to sleep. I'm like, okay, here's, here's the problem. 
you're taking in so much media and your life has become just survival mode. You don't think about your purpose anymore. You don't think about why you're here. It's just surviving, right? See, the problem is when you're, when you're reading too much on the internet and you're listening to too much and all these things, the problem is you don't know how to think for yourself anymore. <laughs> so everything just becomes static and you're in this survival mode of just trying to get by. So what ends up happening? You allow your mind open to think whatever it wants to think. And you no longer know how to replace the lies with truth anymore. What would it look like if we just, for an entire week, we said, okay, I'm going to eliminate as much as I can and see if that shifts or changes anything in my thought life. And if you do that, then you can live out what Philippians 4, 8, verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 8 through 9 says. It says this, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And the God of what? Peace will be with you. How many of you want peace? You can't have peace if you're stuck in static. You cannot have peace if you don't filter your thoughts. Because the truth is, you have nothing to replace the lies with. And so you're left to your own vices of, I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. I'll never be this. I'll never be able to do this. The truth is, maybe you can't make your circumstances change, but you can filter your thoughts and it will lead you to a completely different perspective. The third thought that I have is our thoughts determine our destiny. The way you think will determine your future. The way you think will determine your future. There's an old saying that goes like this, sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a lifestyle. Sow a lifestyle, reap your destiny. Now notice the first two words in this stanza. The first one is thought and the last one is destiny. The way you think determines where you will go. So let me put it to you this way. If you don't like where you're going, you need to change the way you're thinking. If you're frustrated with the path that you're going down, you have to change the way that you're thinking. Let me put it to you another way. You are where your thoughts brought you, and you will go tomorrow where your thoughts take you. If you're frustrated with where you're at right now, it's going to start right here. I had a guy when I was doing my, my internship at Pastor Jacob's Discipleship School and uh, he came in, and I remember I disagreed with him for so long, and then I got older and more mature in the faith, and I realized he was right, and I was stupid and young. But he said, you know what? Your thoughts will determine the course of your life. Like, that's, that's not scriptural. <laughs> and the older that I got, I began to realize, like, oh, my God, that is so true. See, in the Christian world, we like to talk about our heart a lot, don't we? Allow God to renew and to cleanse and to shape our heart. If you don't get your mind under control, you can never get to your heart. Because you'll think your way out of every circumstance and every situation, and you'll never get vulnerable enough to allow God to get right here. Because here's what will happen. You'll think you're not worthy enough. You'll think you don't deserve it. You'll think that he's left you. You'll think that he's forgotten you. And because you think those things, you never let them in here. Romans 8, 5 through 6 says, Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. 
But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. If your sinful nature controls your mind, there is death. But if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, there is life and peace. There's life and peace. So how do we do that? How do we allow the Holy Spirit to control our mind? Because that's such an abstract thought, isn't it? Like we, we, we hear about the Holy Spirit, but it's like the Holy Spirit in the Trinity is kind of like the drunk uncle. He's the weird one. We don't really want anything to do with him. Like what does he look like? I don't know. It's like, it's weird. So how do we practically live that out? Five ways to practice good thinking and to allow the Holy Spirit to shape your thoughts. Number one, find a plan to control your thoughts. Find a plan to control your thoughts, meaning this. A lot of us are being fed bad thinking, and most of it, I said this earlier, is coming through the internet. Some of you need some serious accountability when it comes to the internet. Men, let me tell you this. If you're not careful and you leave yourself open to the internet without accountability, you're in a tough place. And you're going to create a habit in your life that is going to be super unhealthy. Here's what I've learned. Because I've shared this before. You know this about me. I try to be as open and transparent as I can. I am by nature a rebel. <laughs> it's like I, I've never done well with the rules. Okay? And, and because of this, this has gotten me in a lot of trouble. <laughs> but, but here's what I've learned. I remember when I first started, you know, toying with this idea of like accountability in my life and I need other people, you know, to know things about me. I'm like, that is ridiculous. Like, why does anybody need to know the deepest parts of me? Why am I going to surrender some freedom in this? Here's the truth. You have to allow yourself to be accountable or you're going to subject yourself to a pain that you never thought that you could feel. And here's what I've learned. If you allow yourself to be accountable, you will walk in freedom. You walk in freedom because here's what, I, here's what I know about myself. Here's what I know about Zach. If I'm accountable and I have restrictions on certain things, then when I have a weak moment, I know I can't access it. Because how many of you ever have just a bad day, a weak moment? You're just like, God, I don't trust you today. I'm frustrated. And you have a moment where you give in to something that you wish that you wouldn't have done, but if you had accountability, you wouldn't do it. Find something to make your thoughts accountable to. The best plan that you can develop is to read scripture daily. Now, let me clarify something with this, because how many of you, just show of hands, and this is a moment of honesty, you've attempted to read the Bible, you've tried, but you're like, it doesn't make any sense to me. It's hard, it's difficult. Anybody? Okay, a lot of people. You've bought into the lie that you have to know Hebrew, Greek, and you've got to be able to understand everything you're reading. You don't. You just got to start somewhere. So this may sound small. It may sound petty. You may, you may feel like I'm cheating. There's an app called YouVersion. Download it. If you've never read the Bible before, download the app and simply do this. They have a scripture of the day every single day. Read it and then ask God, how does that apply to my life? And can I, can I tell you this? If you make that a habit, you're going to read one scripture every single day and you're going to get to a place where you go, it's not enough anymore. And you're going to want to dive in and you're going to want to start reading and you're going to want to start learning and you're going to want to start figuring out what's going on. But you have to start somewhere. I think too many of us just bite off this. I'm going to read 15 chapters a day. 
and you read 15 chapters and only remember one word you read, <laughs> right? But here's why reading the Bible is so important, because it takes every lie, every impure thought, every doubt and unbelief, and it flips it around with truth. When you begin to read it, here's what begins to happen. When you feel like you're not worthy, when you feel like you've blown it and you're not worth it, and you're like, oh man, God is so distant from me, and then you read a scripture that says, nor demons, nor angels, nothing, no height, nor depth can separate you from the love of God. Here's what happens. You replace the lie with the truth. You go, oh wait, God's word says that there's nothing that I can do that can separate me from his love. See, if you don't have truth to combat the lies, you're always going to think negatively. This is why reading the Bible is so important. If you do this, you can live out what Hebrews says. For the word of God is living and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It ju- I love this. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Not only does it give you truth to combat the lies, but it judges and convicts your intentions. It knows your thoughts. So another way to put it is this. When you read the Bible, don't just read it. Let it read you. When you start doing that, you're going to start reading some things and go, oh, I don't like that part. We don't like it because it's calling us from a place of comfort and it's calling us to a place to trust God. Number two, practically, find a place to think your thoughts. Every day, especially if you have children, the volume of this culture is turned up really loud. Every single day you walk into a world that is vying for your attention at every single second, every waking moment. And we live in this culture where the volume is always at 100. And if you don't take time and space to turn the volume down and to pursue Jesus in a moment, you're going to be in trouble. So when you turn the volume down, what does this mean? You have a daily conversation with God. God, how am I doing today? begin to evaluate your own heart. You got to slow your life down long enough to have a daily conversation with the Lord. And some of us are like this, we're like so busy and so fast. And, and we realize that at the end, when you slow yourself down, there's a lot of things that you're being busy about, but it's not even things that add value to your life. Isaiah 26 says, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are what? Fixed on you. It's this idea of creating this time, this space to be able to pursue the Lord. Colossians 3, 2 says, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. If you don't have time in your day to have a conversation with the Lord, your peace meter is probably really low. If your excuse is always, I just, I don't have time, then you're doing too much. Do you know this? I, I read this yesterday, that the average American will spend 11 years of their life watching TV. 11 years. And then we say we don't have time. I just don't have time. for 11, Can you imagine what you could do with 11 years? 11 years, if you don't learn to turn the volume down on this culture, you're always going to be franicked. You're always going to be frazzled. I don't think that's a word, frazzled. This is why we deal with so much depression. This is why we deal with so much anxiety. 
because we're, we're constantly like this. We have to take in information all the time. Number three, find a person to stretch your thoughts. Find a person to stretch your thoughts. Let me put it this way. If your plan for your life is attainable on your own, it's not God. If your plan for your life is so big that you don't know how you're going to do it, it's probably God. And when it's so big and you don't know how you're going to attain it, you need other people behind you that know where you're going and saying, you can make it. This is why life groups are so important. Listen, if you call this your church, you're planted here, you love it, you're only going to get about half of what you need if all you ever do is attend Sunday morning. Because your life is going to change in the context of groups. It's going to really change in the context of community where somebody else can look at you face to face and say, hey, the way you talk to your wife is not okay. (laughs) Or, hey, man, we haven't seen you in a few weeks. I'm concerned about you. Are you okay? People that love you enough that are not impressed by you that are willing to offend you because they love you. Find a person to stretch your thoughts. You need to be around some people that are working on their thinking as well. We, we say it around here all the time, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. If you want to know what you're going to look like in five years, just take a look at your friends. If you don't want to be like that, you need to find a new set of friends. <laughs> we need somebody to stretch us, to push us, to encourage us. When we're with others, we can go further than we ever thought that we could go. Hebrews 10.24 puts it this way, let us think of ways, watch this, to motivate one another to acts of love and to good works. Then it says, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his, of, of his return is drawing near. How many know you're going to have days when you feel like, man, I just can't go on anymore? What is the scripture saying? We need other people around us to encourage us. How many of you have made it just one more day because somebody called you out of the blue and said, you know what, I I believe in you. I'm trusting in you. You got this. And it it gives you what you need. Number four, find a purpose to land my thoughts. The The healthiest thoughts that you can think is what we talked about last week is why you're on this planet. Now let's just get real honest for a moment. Some of us have lost sight of our purpose based on what life has done to us. We don't know what we want anymore. If somebody were to ask you the question, why are you here, you have no idea. Can I tell you this? It's okay. You don't have to have like this grand plan of what it looks like. I believe this. If you could hear God right now, and you find yourself in that static area of just like, man, I don't know why I'm here and I'm so frustrated. And you feel like God's angry at you, God's mad at you based on your mistakes or some of the things that you've done. I genuinely believe if you could sit down with God right now face to face, I think he would tell you two things. Number one, he'd say, let's settle yesterday and let's think about your future. Let's settle yesterday and let's think about your future. See, God is is a loving father and he's nothing like an earthly father. 
He's not grading us on a scale saying, based on what you've done, I can't do this. I want you to know, some of you are saying, well, I've screwed up my life so much. Like, God's still on the throne. (laughs) Your sin hasn't dethroned him. Based on whatever turn that you've taken in your life, and you say, God can't do this. He's saying, no, 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 let's just settle the past. Let's get some healing from that. And let's move forward. Let's move on. That's why next step is so important. And I know you hear us talk about these things all the time. You hear us talk about life groups. You hear us talk about generosity. You hear us talking about next step. You hear us talking about all these things. And if we're not careful, to you, it can just become white noise. Why do we talk about them so much? We talk about them so much because people that have actually gone through the process, we've seen the life change. And if you really want to do this whole thing, you really want to follow Jesus to the fullest extent, you got to figure out why you're here. That's part of what Next Step will help you do. That's why we put you on teams. Because when you start getting around other people and you start working with other people, you start realizing what you're good at and what you're gifted at. But the truth is, if you never settle yesterday, it'll never let you get to tomorrow. (laughs) And so maybe it starts there. Maybe it starts with replacing the unhealthy negative thoughts with truth. That what you think about yourself right now, hear me, it's not what God thinks about you. Some of you have beaten yourself down so low and you've convinced yourself that that's actually what God thinks about you. This is why reading the scriptures is so important because you begin to read his thoughts. You begin to read what he actually says and thinks about you. Romans 12, 2 puts it this way, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your what? Heart? Mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good pleasure and perfect will. So that leads me to five. Find a power to fuel your thoughts, namely the Holy Spirit. When God speaks to you, he's going to tell you to do something that is too big for you to do. Now, I want you to understand something. When Jesus was crucified and he rose again on the third day, when he comes back, he spends 40 more days on earth, like walking through walls and showing up at people's random, freaking people out, teaching people, walking with people. And all these people are like, okay, God, but you're leaving. Like, what are we going to do without you? We've seen you do all these miracles. Like, you've healed blind eyes, and you, you've literally upset an entire culture. You have thousands, hundreds of thousands of people follow. Like, what are we going to do now that you're gone? He said, oh, me? What, what are you going to do now that I'm gone? He said, I'm going to leave somebody behind that is going to far exceed everything that I did in the past three years. I'm going to leave the comforter behind. I'm going to leave the Holy Spirit. So here's what this means. The same power that resurrected Jesus from the dead you have access to. I said this last week, but as Christians, as people that claim a belief, that we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that we believe that he was born to a virgin, (laughs) 
that, it, that we believe that he resurrected on the third day, that he, he stole the keys from hell. Do you realize we believe some pretty far out there stuff? <laughs> like we believe some crazy things. Like can you just picture it for a moment. Take everything that you believe and put it into modern context. If you went to your best friend and you said, hey, it's going to sound crazy, but I was at church the other day and this guy prayed for him. He was dead and he came alive again. They'd be like, bro, <laughs> I think you need to go check yourself in. <laughs> oh, and he was dead for three days. Sure. We believe some crazy things, right? Born of a virgin. That's nuts. Here's what's crazy, is we believe all those things unashamedly, unmistakably, but yet we have fallen into the belief that we don't have the power to overcome sin in our life. We don't have the power to believe God for a miracle, to change our thoughts, to transform a loved one, to heal our marriage. And yet we believe that he rose from the grave on the third day. Do you see how our thinking gets skewed? How far removed we are from what is actually happening in the spiritual realm? You genuinely have to believe the same God that resurrected from the grave, the power that resurrected him from that grave, you have access to. You have to find a power to fuel your thoughts. This is opening your life up to the power of the Holy Spirit. In May, we're going to do a whole teaching on this, and this will help you. Let me close with Isaiah 55, verse 9. It says, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. How many of you know God doesn't show us the full picture? He just tears a little piece off the map and says, here's your little piece. I'm going to keep this. Like, God, I really want the turn-by-turn, play-by-play direction here, right? Any, anybody ever remember MapQuest when you had to print out the directions? Any ever, anybody ever print out the wrong ones? Years ago, my wife and I, this was when we were traveling, and uh, we printed out MapQuest, no, I think we were in Texas somewhere. I don't even remember where we were. I think we are going to Tennessee. Some, we were somewhere. That's how lost we were. Um, I printed out the wrong directions. And there was just like one turn that was wrong. And uh, we were trying to find a Starbucks to get some coffee. And so we start driving through this bad area of town. My wife is like, I'm pretty sure there's not a Starbucks here. And I'm like, babe. Telling you, I'm looking at the direction. She's like, Yeah, but they don't normally exist in neighborhoods. <laughs> As a man, you're like, I, No, I know what I'm talking about. You know, I've never been here before, but obviously I know. And <laughs> I remember it brings us to this rundown gas station. And we pull, pull up, and there's literally a guy that pulls up two cars by their drug deal. <laughs> I'm like, I just need to go to the bathroom. She's like, I'm not going in there. I walk into the bathroom. There's a dude rolling a paper in the bathroom. I'm like, I am in the wrong place. <laughs> like something bad is about to happen here. 
right? And sometimes when we have the directions confused in our life, we have the thoughts confused in our life about what is true and what's not, we end up at a place that we don't want to be. But I can promise you this, if you can get to a place where you surrender your thoughts to the Lord and you say, God, help my thoughts be your thoughts. Although I don't see the entire picture, I'm going to put my trust in you that you have a plan, you know where you're going, and I'm going to surrender to that. That doesn't mean that we deprive ourselves of things that we want. Like God, I don't know if you know this, like God gives you a desire for a reason. (laughs) But watch this in Ephesians 3.20. It says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power, what? That works in us. It's the Holy Spirit again. You may not understand the full piece of the pie. You don't have all the directions in your lap before you. This is where faith kicks in. To say, God, I may not know what the end looks like, but you do. Can I be honest with you? You're going to go through pieces of your life, and you can waste your time asking God why. He's never going to tell you. Usually until you get to the end of the journey and go, oh, God, that was why. You wanted to do this in me. You wanted to work this out in me. I can't tell you why. I've, I've had some people ask the toughest questions before, and sometimes as a pastor, you know the smartest thing I can do? I don't know. Why do bad things happen to good people? I don't know. Why do people get cancer that have served God for 30 years? I don't know. I don't know. But I do serve a God who does. And so I just surrender my hope and my trust in that. And I can try to rationalize it, and I can try to come up with some smart intellectual answer. Well, this is why God is doing this. We don't really know. That's why it says in Isaiah that his thoughts are higher than ours. His ways are higher than ours. I'll close with this. You are a linear being meaning everything in your life has a beginning and an end. You live your life on a timeline. You were born in 1999, or you were born in 1986, and you're going to die in 2000, whatever. Everything in your life has a beginning and an end. You, as a human being, you are stuck on a timeline, and you can't change it. So all you know is what's right here. All you know is what's on that line. Here's the beauty about God. He does not live in time. So here's what he has the ability to do. He steps completely out. At, he looks at it. He can see past, present, and future. So you can get frustrated or you can surrender to a God who knows and sees things completely different. He's not stuck on the linear timeline. He looks at it and goes, if you just trust me, I see the full picture, the full play, everything that needs to happen. And he has a plan even when you screw it up. If we change the way we think, will change the way that we live. If we allow God to change and shape our thoughts, it'll change the perspective of our life.